0: Take your Bibles, if you would please, today, and turn with me to the book of Mark. We continue our series of studies in the book of Mark, entitled, To Be Like Jesus. The Bible said we are predestined to be conformed to the image of His dear Son. The closer to God we get, the more like Jesus we ought to become. The book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter number one. I guess Daily Bread and Jim was like, okay, so I guess you told them that. Am I supposed to tell them that? Uh, you. Hey, folks, when me and Jim get through this business meeting, this staff meeting, <laughs> we'll decide that probably that Daily Bread is out there for you. I'm sorry, Brother Jim. All right. If you notice in your program, it's written in there: staff meeting on platform with Brother Jim and the preacher during a Sunday morning service, right? Well, are you enjoying the heat? Tell you what, anybody that lives in Texas ought to get saved because it's hot. And I am so glad that you're here today. Now, according to the clock that Brother Pickett has got for me up there, illuminated with 5 million watts of illumination so that I can see it. We have 30 minutes till it's time to eat. So if you'll listen fast, I will preach fast. In your Bible, Mark chapter number 1. To be like Jesus. The theme of the book is God's perfect servant. The book of Mark presents our Lord as God's perfect servant. The theme verse in the book you will find in Mark 10. Where it says for the son of man come not to be ministered to. But to minister and give his life a ransom for many. The article in your bulletin today describes the book of Mark. In today's vernacular and today's philosophy, the way to the top is up. But in God's philosophy, the way up is down. I wish we could get that. Too many folks are filled with their own importance when they ought to be filled with the importance of God in their life. I didn't do it. God did it. Notice if you would please. Verse 9. The Bible says, and it came to pass. If you'd like to write there like I do in my Bible, it always will. If God said it, it will come to pass. You say, Well, I'll work on it. Don't do any good. It's still going to come to pass. Amen. And it came to pass in those days, gee that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. And was baptized of John in the Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast. And the angels ministered unto him. Upon the most significant and spiritual climatic time in the life of our Lord on the tail of that very experience came heartache, trouble, and temptation immediately. Many times when we have the highest spiritual experience, that's when the devil hits us broadside. And a phone call or a letter or a diagnosis from a doctor Or an accident. Tonight I'll be preaching on the mountains and valleys in our lives. And the need and necessity of both. But this morning I want to talk to you for just a little while. About the baptism of our Lord. Did Jesus Christ need to be saved? Then that's proof that baptism don't save you. Did Jesus Christ need to repent of anything? Sinless, tipped it in all fashion such as we, and yet without sin, and yet he is baptized. For a more thorough reading of the subject and of the time, take your Bible back to the book of Matthew, if you would, please. And Matthew gives us a little bit more in detail of the experience and situation in which we are speaking today. And I read for you out of Matthew chapter number 3. And I begin at verse 13 for your learning. And as you turn there, let me express to you, in Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, we have learned thus far that John the Baptist came to announce the coming of our Lord. Today, in verse number 9, he shows up. Now, aren't you glad that God always shows up? And here's another thing, aren't you glad God always shows up on time? And aren't you glad that God's time is not always your time? Because if God showed up in our time, we wouldn't be ready for God to show up. Has anybody knocked on your door and your house is not clean? You say, oh, my Lord, who, who is that at the door? You see, our time is not God's time. But God's time is always the right time. Notice in your Bible, let me read for you now uh, a more detailed uh, description of the baptism of our Lord. The Bible said, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee. This is verse 13 of chapter number 3. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbid him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. And lighting upon him. And low a voice from heaven. Saying this is my beloved son. In whom I'm well pleased. Several things we could talk about doctrinally if you please. For instance. This is the first time that the Trinity is exposed. To human ear. The Trinity. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. God, the son has been baptized. God, the spirit descends in the form of a dove. And God, the father speaks and said, this is my beloved son. One God, three personalities. The Trinity. The first way you can detect a cult is they deny the Trinity of the Godhead. While you're so surprised, turn your Bible to 1 John 5, toward the end of your Bible, just before the revelation. 1 John, chapter number 5, and let me read you a verse, please, in your Bible. You say, Preacher, you're not going to get through your sermon. No, I'm going to get to 12, and then we're going to quit. You say, You're not. I'm real hungry. Now listen, the first time the Trinity has been exposed or expressed. Notice this, 1 John 5 and 7. You got it? For these, for there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Say, preacher, explain the Trinity to me. I can't. No more than you can. But if you were the devil, what would you want to do with that verse? I'd either want to change it, get rid of it, assassinate it, or doubt it. If I were the devil, I'd write me another version. Well, if you were the devil, wouldn't you want to change that? Yes, sir. I've got a Bible here that says a comparative Bible. Now, what that does, that just takes verses of different editions or revisions or perversions or whatever you want to call it. Amen. And they compare the verses. This week, there was somebody in my office telling me that the King James wasn't correct. He didn't stay long. I don't know why they don't like hanging around much when they start assassinating God's word. Could I please read you? First John in the different editions. Now I'm not going to criticize your edition. I'm just going to show you the difference, why that we believe. That the King James Bible is God's English version for us. And why it was off of a particular manuscript that was found in Syria, not Alexandria, Egypt, or the Vatican in Rome. Got it? Let me read you now what it says in the King James. These three, there are three that bear a record in heaven. The Father, the Word, capital W-O-R-D, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now, that's what it says in the King James. Here's what it says in the ASV, American Standard Version. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is the truth. Any difference? Here's what it says in the RSV, Revised Standard Version. And the Spirit is the witness, because the Spirit is truth. Here's what it says in Jehovah's Witness edition. And the Spirit is the witness because the Spirit is truth. Wonder what happened to these three are one. You say, Preacher, y'all not be doing that on Sunday morning. Here's a Greek edition of that. You said, you never reach anybody like that. I'm not here to try to please everybody or reach everybody. I'm here to do what God wants done. And let me tell you something. This is God's book for us. The Baptist folk, I don't know why they they don't realize that in your articles of faith, it says, we believe that the word of God is the final authority in faith and in practice. And if I've got 10 different versions that says 10 different things, where's my authority? You say, well, I can't understand the these and thou's. If your wife said, go get the groceries, do you understand the thee? (laughs) And if you don't, I am going to whoop thou real good. I think you understand that. Now let me preach to you for just a little while. Out of Mark chapter number 1. Please look in your Bible. Mark chapter number 1. And the servant shows up. The one that John the Baptist has been talking about. Throughout history, God has always showed up. Verse number nine, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. You know, I, I think about my conversion years ago, 40, 45, 46 years ago. And I think about all the events that built up to me accepting Christ. To me realizing that I could not do this by myself. It was just four little rugrats running around the house spoke to my heart. Uh, Several accidents throughout the, the year spoke to my heart. And all of these things just build up to on one Thursday night, a soul winner came by my house. And Jesus showed up right on time. It was then that I realized that my kids needed a Christian daddy. It was then that I realized I was lost and without hope on my way to hell. And I had realized all of that. And these events build up. And somebody says, Well, what a coincidence that Wolfenbarger got saved. <clears throat> no, God just showed up at the right time. <clears throat> and if you look back in your life, If you look back in your life, if God had showed up just a little earlier, you wouldn't have accepted him. Or if God had showed up a little later, it would have been too late. God always shows up on time. Isn't it a coincidence when they threw Daniel in the lion's den just the night that God was going to spend the night in the lion's den? Isn't it amazing when he threw the Hebrew children in the fire furnace, he did 70 times hotter than ever before. Isn't it just amazing that God just accidentally showed up and the fourth was the image of the Son of God. If you turn in your RSV to Daniel chapter 3 and verse 25, it will say, and the fourth had the image of one of the sons of God. Thank God that it was not one of the little gods or one of the little sons of God. Thank God it was the son of God that showed up. Can you say amen now? Now listen, I am glad that God always shows up on time. It was over in Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10 when the vision was seen and Cornelius realized that he was a lost Gentile on his way to hell. It was there that He prayed and asked God for some guidance and some help. And then it amazed and that Peter showed up at the same time Jesus showed up and Cornelius and all of his house got saved. By the way, I'm glad that God always shows up on time. And here in the Bible, the Bible says that in, look at this, in those days, you say, preacher, what in the world does that mean? And it came to pass in those days, those days, not just any days. Does your Bible say in those days? Look at your Bible. Does it say in those days? Does it say that? Do you think it said that just for fun? Do you think that God put that in there because they just a place for three words? I wonder what he's talking about in those days. In those days when it had been silent for 400 years. In those days that God had not whispered a thought or whispered a glee or whispered a, 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 a cheer or whispered in it, In those days. 400 years of cold, dry, drab religion. 400 years. God had been silent. The sky was as a steel curtain. God had not spoken to mankind in 400 years. Malachi closed the book. And said, one of these days the Son of Man will rise with healing in His wings. But for 400 years there was no sign, no sun, no nothing in those days. When there was no hope in those days. When every man did that which is right in his own eyes. In those days, when there was no help or no hope from God above, in those days, God's perfect servant showed up. In those days. In those days, when all of earth was steeped in some kind of religion, In those days of silence and darkness and rules and regulations and idolatry. In those days of weeds, thorns and thistles, the garden has now grown not with beautiful flowers and the songs of birds as God had originally created. But now in those days weeds and thistles and briars had grown in the hearts of humanity. In those days of dread, death, defeat, and damnation, in those days, look at the verse Jesus came. Woohoo! Amen! <laughs> in those days, as dark as they may be and as hopeless as they may be, in those days, Jesus came. Lord, have mercy. In those days, John's lamb showed up. When he said, behold, the lamb of God that taketh away, what? The sin of the world. In those days when sin fell heavy on our shoulders. In those days when hell was our destination. In those days when all hope was gone. In those days, Jesus came. John's lamb showed up. In those days. What days? In those days spoken over yonder in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. In those days. It fulfilled Galatians 4 and 4. When it says in the fullness of time. God sent his son. The seed of a woman made under the law. God showed up. Right on time. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Is this a Baptist church? Can you say Amen? amen. You Methodists can say Amen in the Baptist church because the Baptists are a shame anymore. <laughs> but in those days, Jesus came. Notice with me if you would please. Firstly, the son's identification. You say, now preacher, what are you talking about? The son's identification. You are identified with those you run with. Can you say amen? Amen. Hmm? If a thing walks like a duck and cracks like a duck, got feathers like a duck, what would you say he is? What's that insurance company? Aflac. 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 It's an (laughs) Aflac. That's original. Between me and Jim. I couldn't think of Aflac. Could I speak with you just a minute? On the son's. Identification. I got 10 minutes to talk to you about the son's identification, the spirit's consecration, and the father. Notice if you would please. The father's confirmation. The Bible says this. And Jesus came. Now watch this from Nazareth of Galilee from Nazareth of Galilee Jesus was known as the Nazarene not the Nazarite two different things from Nazareth of Galilee Wonder why it says where he came from? Because where he came from identifies him. Now, Nazareth is a small community about 10 miles from Megiddo. Because you know what's going to happen in the valley of Megiddo when Jesus comes back and hits his foot on that hill and it splits and a tremendous battle is fought where the blood runs to the height of a horse's bridle. The valley of Megiddo. Nazareth is a town, a little town that nestles in between some valleys there. It's a Providence it's really not a big city. Uh, it's known for its irreligious and immoral immoral society. In other words, MTV and cable television would be on every rooftop. The people are of a mongrel. Character. The dialect is real rough and unsophisticated. The people are seditious and just despised. The Jews actually hated the town, and Jesus was from a despised community of a despised people and has come to a despised river to be baptized. He is identifying with us who are sinners to the hilt, who are a disgrace to God, who bless your heart is rotten from the top of our head to the sole of our foot, according to Isaiah. And there is none righteous, no, not one, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Jesus Christ is identified with us because he is a man just as much as if he had had not been God. He is identified with you and I. And by identifying with you and I, he knows how we feel. He knows when we are tempted. He knows when we are hurt. He knows when we need. And he identifies with us. But I am so glad that as God, he not only identifies with us as a man, but with God, he came to save us. And to be our savior A high priest that knows how we feel. Notice his association. Now notice if you would please his inauguration. Watch this. Was baptized. The question is why was Jesus baptized? If he did not need to be saved, then baptism does not save us. If he did not need to repent, then why was he baptized? If you look over to Matthew chapter 3, you'll find a verse, verse 15. They might tell you why Jesus was baptized. Jesus came to John. John said, no, I should be baptized of you. I am not going to baptize you. And Jesus said, verse 15, suffer it to be so. Is that what he said? Suffer to be so. He said because if we do, the Bible says, suffer to be so. It is to be now for thus it becometh us to what? fulfill all righteousness. Righteousness. Is doing what God says. Not to be saved. But because you are saved. Be obedient to what God says to do. You see that? The inauguration. It's the beginning of our Lord's ministry. It's the beginning of what. God the Father sent him to do. It is the inauguration. Not only is it the inauguration, I wish I had time to talk to you about baptism. Isn't it an amazing thing? Jesus lived through 33 and a half years, never committed one sin, never did one thing against the Father, never did anything to embarrass his father. But isn't it amazing? The first time God ever said, I am pleased with you, is after what? I wonder if I remain unbaptized and I have not fulfilled all righteousness in my life and I am disobedient going to heaven and when I walk into heaven's gates am I going to hear well done if I have not fulfilled God's wishes? In my life? Boy, I'd hate to walk into heaven and hear God say, Welcome home, you disobedient sucker. (laughs) Why wasn't you baptized? Well, I just didn't think. God said, You didn't want? Did I save you to think or did I save you to obey? Somebody said, Well, I was sprinkled once, me too, when it rained. I thought it said he went down into the water and came up out of the water. Is that what it says? I said, is that what it says? Then that's the mode of baptism. That's the mode. Immersed. It's a picture. When Jesus was buried under the muddy waters of Jordan, he was saying to God, I will be obedient to be baptized in the muddy waters of Calvary. I'm willing to be immersed in persecution. I'm willing to be immersed in pain. I'm willing to go all the way to Calvary. I'll die. And then I'll be raised in the likeness of the glory of the Father. I wish I had time to talk to you about baptism. But it's the inauguration of our Lord's ministry. It's the unveiling. It's the revealing. Hey, the servant has shown up. That's him. We went under the muddy waters of Jordan. He was inaugurated. Not only that, it was a presentation, a representation. He represented you and I. It was a demonstration. It was a demonstration to all that stands by and to all that reads it throughout the rest of history. It's a demonstration. Jesus is saying, I want to be obedient to the Father. It is a demonstration, it is a sign of his ministry, the mandate to everybody who's been born again. You need to be baptized. Not to be saved, but to obedient to him who says to do it, who commands to do it. Somebody said, I can go to heaven without it. You sure can. Hope you enjoy the trip. Because when you arrive, you're going to be asked, why wouldn't you baptize? You'll say, well, I didn't want to. God will say, sit down and let's stumble over there in just a minute. We'll get back to you after a while. You know how long after a while is to God? Come on. A thousand years is a day. After a while it could be a long time with God. Won't you be happy sitting on the stump? And me kicking up gold dust between them toes, <laughs> running and leaping and praising God. And somebody said, What's that guy doing? Sitting on the stump. Well see, God will be back with him after a while. You say, Where's your Bible in verse? Well, that's Minister speaking. God's identification I'm done the Spirit's consecration verse 10 and the Bible says that the Spirit of God descended wow how would you like to have been there the Spirit the Spirit like a dove descended upon him to set him apart for a serious service to anoint In the Old Testaments they anointed special servants and kings priests anointed with oil symbolic of the Holy Spirit of God and Jesus was not anointed symbolically But the real deal, the Spirit of God descended and landed upon him. Man, I'd like to have been there. Some of you dove hunters be in trouble. Of course, no better than I can shoot. It would have been safe. Descended for a powerful mission. Maybe that's how Jesus could for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despised in the shame and is set down at the Father's right hand. He might not have been able to do it without the help and the anointing and the fullness of and the power of the holy spirit and he was anointed for the service of a powerful mission and for a with a powerful message for a powerful moment what a moment it was wow notice the father's confirmation as i close And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. His veneration, in whom I am well pleased. Can you feel the emotions? Sense the pride as God the Father looks upon a Sinless Son, completely consecrated to the will of God, to the mission of God, with the message of God. Can you feel the, the emotions of pride? Anybody watched any of the Olympics? There's nothing else to watch. <laughs> I heard last night that Michael Phelps, per the announcer, The greatest champion to ever live. Twenty two medals, eighteen gold medals, two bronze, two silver. Twenty two. Twenty two. That's twice as many as any other Olympiad. In history. The greatest. Champion. Of all time. Did you see his mother sitting on the stands? The camera would. Switch to the mom occasionally as. Michael Phelps swam. And you could see on her face and her whole. Character and her whole being. The involvement. Emotionally. As her son swam closer to the finish line it got, the more regular the camera came to his mom. You could see the intensity. You could see the veneration. You could see the emotional involvement as her son dug for the water and pulled, dug for the water and pulled. And when he hit that deal and everybody said, it's a gold medal, she said, that's not my son. I'm ashamed of him. That's not what I got. Can you see the Father in the grandstands of glory? Surrounded by the innumerable host of angels as the Son of God runs the race for God the Father. It's not a hundred yard dash. It's a marathon. Can you see him as he initiates the race? As God looks down, can you feel the emotion? Can you feel the... The moment. Can you feel the excitement? Can you feel the satisfaction? Can you feel the Father of all glory stand there as the Son was obedient to His heavenly Father? As He was plunged beneath the muddy waters of the Jordan. Can you feel it? Can you see it? And all heaven had to open and hear it. This is my beloved Son. Wow. And then he said, Just in case you have any doubt, in whom I'm well pleased. Wow. The son's identification, he identified with me in my sin, in my insecurities. In my inabilities, in my jealousy, in my fears, He identified with me. He was consecrated by the Spirit and p- approved completely by His Father. Amen. By the way, are you pleased with Jesus? Is Jesus pleased with you? That's the question.